Well, it is a special edition here of the Cherokee Rewind, episode 100. Always, always something special uh, when you hit the century mark, and I'm just very grateful the fact that you guys have stuck with me through 100 episodes. So, you know, I figure if we're going to do 100, the 100th has to be special, and it doesn't get much more special than a guy who has been a part of the Cherokee organization almost from the beginning, the very beginning. Um, just a guy who has uh, been through the thick and thin of it. He's seen it all, been there, done that, uh, bought the t-shirt, you name it. Uh, goes by the name of Todd Omi. And well, T.O., first of all, thanks for doing this. And secondly, um, does it feel like it's been as many years as it has been for you? Well, first, thanks for having me on, Nick. Uh, <clears throat> it's always great to talk to you guys. Um, you know, it hasn't, it, it just, what does happen is the years seem to go together. You know, I start thinking back, I've been listening to these podcasts and uh, listening to some of the players that I've had and, you know, going back and then remembering, oh yeah, he played with him, you know, stint that I did with him. It was a lot of those years kind of mixed in together, but there are so many great memories. Uh, you know, coached so many awesome kids and players and, you know, people went on with good hockey careers, but, you know, even the players who end up becoming even better men, you know, it's just always, uh, it's always good to see. I still keep in contact with, uh, you know, a lot of them, you know, some are still coaching. We see them around and, you know, some we talk to on the phone a lot. So it's, uh, it's been a pretty good ride. Hey, no question about it. And that's what I want to do here for this time that we're, we're going to be together is just, you know, go, go down memory lane and look at some of the, some of the stops on that ride. Cause there was, there were some very interesting ones. Um, first off, how did you uh, get involved in the game? What was it that really uh, fired up your passion for the game of hockey? Well, I, you know, my dad played, and, you know, you always want to kind of follow in your dad's footsteps. And then he got on six, maybe. Um, actually started at the ice house where we're back at right now. And then just started playing and, you know, just kind of loved the game. And, uh, you know, growing up, I always wanted to be, you know, once my career is over, I always wanted to maybe do something in coaching. And uh, right after high school and when I was in college, I, you know, had the opportunity to, to help coach and just fell in love with it. So where did you start coaching? Where was your first coaching job? It was a all-star team. Uh, Denny Creighton was the head coach and he asked me to come on as the assistant. And actually as the D coach, that was my primary position. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been coaching the defense for an awful lot of years. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Uh, now, how long were you there with them? Uh, just, I want to say one year. Uh, and then I met McCarthy, Rod McCarthy, and he was part of the team Toledo AAA program. And, uh, you know, after a few years there, I, you know, started with him and he was excited because, you know, he found an assistant coach who was going to show up. He's had a kid a few before that, you know, started off, you know, all gung ho. And then all of a sudden, you know, three weeks later, they didn't show up. So, but he was, he was awesome. I uh, learned a lot from him, uh, you know, you know, Toledo hockey and actually started the Cherokees just to help some with, so the local kids could have a place to play. 
you know, or at least give them a chance if that's what they wanted to do. You know, I think that's the thing, too, that I remember was that, yeah, you had a few locals, but to be able to compete at the level you guys wanted to, which was to win a national championship, you also had to recruit outside of the Toledo area. That had to be a pretty interesting uh, juggling act, considering, you know, I mean, back then, I mean, and again, this is no slight on anybody, none whatsoever, but the high school hockey back then wasn't as uh it wasn't as uh as talented as it is now i mean it was great for the kids that wanted to play hockey to have an outlet to play hockey sure but i mean as far as being able to make the jump from high school to juniors uh that it, that was a difficult to ask and there were a couple there were some kids that did there were a few kids that did but i mean to get that ultra high level you uh to play you know in tournaments and nationals etc i mean you had to go outside outside of the toledo area and tell me what that was yeah one of the more fun parts of the job back then because you would go to junior a camps and then you know you would you would help them out their main camps and then they would you know they have room for a guy that would help you know get get them to a place to play and you know, that's where you did a lot of your, you know, you found your, your uh, players. Um, local wise with the high school and that kind of thing. I mean, there's always kids that are playing triple A or double A or, or that. So that was basically the incentive. And, you know, we couldn't fill a whole team. There's just not enough arenas around. And some kids want to go to college right after they get out of high school, Yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, some, this was just more for the kids who wanted to have, take that next step. So in Toledo area, Sylvania area, I mean, there's a lot of good hockey players there. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of kids who maybe could play who don't play. So that gets, it's kind of skewed a little bit um, number wise, but, you know, we always still have a really solid core of, you know, between, I would say between five and eight, maybe 10 in some days, if you count the Michigan kids that are pretty close. I mean, yeah, now it's, it's different. It's totally different now. I mean, it, uh, you guys have gotten kids that played at, you know, from whether it be, uh, you know, uh, Perrysburg, Lake St. John, St. Francis, you know, just over the line some from the Bedford school system, you know, from the Monroe school system. Uh, I mean, there are a, a ton of guys within less than an hour's drive that are right. And that really, really are just really, that really helps us. Yeah. yeah. Sorry about that, man. But it helps us because families you need and, and billet families are always, you know, it's tougher to come by. Um, so we've been pretty fortunate to have some really good housing people. Um, but you're right, earlier earlier on, there were more kids coming from out west area, Chicago area, maybe a little further down. Um, so we had to have more billet families back then. So it does help out having a lot more of the you know, close Michigan kids, I will say, you know, we have probably six or seven or seven or eight that are within 45 minutes. So they can make that drive back and forth and they don't need to be housed or billeted. Yep. And that's, you know, I mean, that's a huge, huge help. Uh, you know, and, and I think for the kids too, I mean, yeah, the, if you can bill it, you know, it's exciting. You're in a new city, you're in a new, whatever, new environs. But I think also for a lot of kids too, the idea of just being able to sleep in their own bed, 
at night. Uh, you know, not, you know, have to worry about, oh, wait, I, you know, do I go in into the fridge or not? You know, that kind of thing, you know, at first, right. anyway, you know, you think like that. And uh, it's, I think just the idea of, you know, home sweet home, it, it does help. So now when you first, uh, when you first started with a Cherokee, who was coaching back then? I came on the second year. Um, Ed Keene was the head coach the first year. And Scott Searing took over the next one. Dr. McCarthy got back a hold of me, um, just kind of seeing what I was doing and asked if I would uh, be an assistant coach of defense. And Scott would be the head coach. And Bob Zion was there. And, uh, you know, it turned out to be a pretty good fit for us three. Yeah. I mean, for some reason, I mean, because you guys are all very different. You're all very different in terms of your, your personalities. Uh, but it was just uh, lightning in a bottle chemistry that really connected. And uh, it was one of those things that from, at least like from my standpoint, again, this is just my view. This isn't, uh, you know, anyone else's. Uh, it was just, it was good because um, it, 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 it was, you guys were so different that you were it, you know, three pieces of the same pie. It's just that they were different parts of the pie. And when you put them together, it just clicked. And uh, how long did it take you to realize that it like it clicked and it was going to be something special? You know, I guess I probably appreciate it more now that it's passed. I can look back on it and say, man, you know, that really worked. When you're actually going through it, it just kind of was this seemed like it was the norm and you know, I learned so much from Scott and, and, you know, Bob, Bob's a great X's and O man and, you know, the different drills and, you know, Scott's just a, a great manager of the bench and, and no one who needs a kick in the pants and who doesn't, or, you know, if we need to match lines or, or, you know, any, any kind of game adjustment, he was, he was really good at that. And, um, you know, really learned a lot just, you know, watching, observing, Irving and you know I could kind of sit back and, and you know kind of be the good cop kind of keep a pulse of the team kind of knew you know if there was a situation we needed to handle where I could you know talk to somebody and ended up going back to Scott and saying hey look this is what's happening you know we need to figure something out or so you know it worked out great and like I say you don't really realize it when it's really good you know it just it just was kind of the everyday thing and you know then afterwards you kind of think back and like man that was that was really something special. Well, you know, and I think, you know, you mentioned the whole good cop thing. I think a, a lot of the players back then, uh, they, I mean, it, it's, it's hilarious because they, they are like so loyal to all three of you, but they would always say that they always say that T.O. was always the good cop. Bob Zion was the bad cop. And then Scott Searing was like the ringmaster. He was like the staff psychologist. You know that he kept uh, he kept he kind of kind of kept an eye on things just to make sure. But um, I I think I think it's because I, how much of it would you think is because back then, I mean you weren't considerably that much older than the players you coached. Yeah, I, I definitely was was closer to their age and, and had a lot lot more in common with them. And you know I, I think I related well and and you know. God, I, I still keep in touch with a lot of the, you know, within the, within the first five years or so, a lot of those guys I still keep in touch with, 
regular basis, you know, mm-hmm. if not weekly or something, you know, we're talking about, you know, what they're doing or the businesses, or their families, or, you know, maybe they're coaching hockey and they have a question they kind of run by, you know, or, you know, heck, sometimes I don't have questions by them. I mean, you're always learning. Um, but I just think we all kind of knew what we were, what our position was. And that's, you know, we all did it well, I guess is the only way to put it. Um, you can't have three bad cops. You can't have three good cops. I mean, you just got to have a good mix of everything. And, you know, it really worked out. Yeah. You know, and that, I, I mean, I, it was funny because I think I probably, the first year I was there, which was 96, 97, um, I think I was, uh, I think it wasn't until after the national championship that I actually had a full-blown conversation with Scott. You know? Oh, yeah. 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 I had talked to you a few times and I, I never, I mean, I'm not kidding. I can't even remember ever back then talking to Bob. <laughs> you know, right. I think I said hello to him passing through the hallway or something outside the locker room or something, you know, and that was it. I, I, I mean, we talked since then and he's, I, to sure. this day, I love Bob Zion. And of course, yeah, Scott, great, great loyal guy, man. Yes, he is. And a great, yeah, you said it, great X's and O's guy. Can't, can't say yes. enough about how smart that man is. And it's funny because there are people, there are guys that I've done these podcasts with that have told me they're like, I hated him when I was playing for him. I hated him. I hated him because he'd make us run through the, all these different drills that I hated. So I hated, but doggone it. I'm using some of those drills and some of the things that he taught me today as a coach. That's, you know, sure. you know, and that, that says yep. a lot about what kind of, a, not only what kind of a guy he was, but what kind of a coach he was. He just was just absolutely uh, uh, just smart as a whip. And, uh, oh yeah, dude, he had, he had all these, he had all these drills. He's like, Todd, you're going to need these. And, you know, back in the day, now you can get them all, you can buy them and they're all printed out real nice on little note cards. And Bob was doing that 25 years ago. You know, I, I don't know Did it all if he was doing it in his classroom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still got some of my school that I kind of go through or something different, you know, if we need a different drill or whatever, but you know, he was just great, great knowledge of the game. Yes. Yes, indeed. And then Scott, I, I, uh, like I said, uh, we did some media after the, after winning the nationals in 98. And uh, we sat there and did a couple of uh, interviews on the radio. And afterwards we went outside and that's when we had our first real long, you know, uh, like conversation. And it was like, Oh, okay. And so I'm thinking, man, this is going to be so great and stuff and i think uh not too long after that he hangs him up because he's got uh triplets on the way so it's like wait <laughs> you know but triplets oh yeah yeah then uh, right but, yeah, but of course the thing is that he left he left the program in good hands because you took over and uh that was uh, yeah we had, some, we had some really good years i mean we, we went to nationals a couple times and you know just just well, we just missed it or we got knocked out by Metro the one year and they ended up winning it. And, you know, it was like overtime loss. So we had some really good teams, really good players come through this organization. No question. We'll talk about those in here in just a little bit, but what, uh, what was the process of trying to get uh, your coaches? I mean, I know you got uh, Mike Witten and uh, Kirk Ludwig. Was that those, 
those were the original first two that you had. What was that like as far as trying to get them to come on board? You know, it, I, don't, I can't remember if we put something in the paper or whatever to get Mike. Um, Kirk was just kind of around, and um, if I remember right, he, you know, we were just kind of talking and seeing him at the Tamworth Center and that kind of stuff. And, you know, I just we just asked if he'd be interested, and, you know, he said, yeah. So Kirk was a really good high-energy guy. You know, he, he was able to take over the role of a good cop. And uh, Mike Witten's knowledge, you know, obviously playing for the Storm in that Western, you know, just a great hard-nosed guy. Uh, really, really good, you know, with the players also. And But he brought that toughness to, you know, to, to the, you know, his, his the way he played and, and that kind of stuff. So that really helped out. Well, okay. So now that, and that was another one of those things where, again, um, I think you guys were a little more alike than you were than with the whole thing with you, Scott and Bob, this, this time around, the three of you were a little closer in terms of, uh, uh, personality. I mean, yeah, you guys, you had, uh, the good cop with Luddy. Luddy was always uh, the super friendly, super nice, and Wit. So was Wit, but he was more. Right. He was more reserved. He was more, you know, uh, headstrong. He was very determined, and uh, right. he, and he brought that to you. Could you could uh, feel it when he came when he brought that, uh, and he, he that's what he brought those players. You know, he tried to instill that in them, and yet at the same time. Um, it was like you could tell this was different. It was your team because it, they they always say that a team represents the personality of its coach, uh, and it it you could really tell that the guys that played for you in those uh, first several seasons were really were really good kids, and they were tough kids, and they had uh, they had that mentality that you know we got to win. But yet at the same time, they knew how to have fun, you know, I mean, because that's yeah. a fine line to walk and with But, you know, you do that better than anybody I know is to be determined, be focused on, on the objective, but have fun while you're doing it. You don't forget to have some fun, you know, and I think that bring, that says a lot more about you than it does, um, you know, again, about the team as a whole. You know, I mean, it says that you are able to. Uh, bring that out of those guys because that's why they become decent hockey players, hardworking hockey players. But at the end of the day, they're good men. Right. And that was kind of the philosophy too. You want to make them a better person. Um, and I just know if I'm not having fun with something like it's, you know, my, my, you know, my demeanor's a little change or whatever. So I always try to find something that I, I really like to do. And, you know, what's that old cliche if you find a job you love you never work a day in your life and and really hockey to me is not really a job just kind of you know I love just we have with the, the players you know um but it's good you know it's it's that's, those are the kind of kids we were looking for we found them and you know it's it was all good you know and let's t I want to talk about just in that first uh those first several years uh well first off you had Luddy and you had Wit and then after that, uh, you had uh, you had some changes in there as well. Uh, you, I know that you had your brother. And yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you had AJ Rufo. AJ Rufo for yeah, I think he was there for a year. 
Uh, he was a former player, nice hard-nosed kid. Uh, another one that was, you know, wanted to be around, high-energy guy. Um, he was real good. Uh, Bill Baker came on board for the last two years. Um, he was more of a defensive coach, uh, loved the game. Um, and my brother, he was, he was good. You know, he's knows the game. He's, he's just got that hockey sense that, that most people don't have. So can see a, a different side of the game that really helped out or, you know, could help break down different forward checks they were doing against us. So a good hockey mind. So that well, was what, good. What was it like play, having to coach with your brother? Did you guys ever, ever, uh, bump heads or anything like that when during that time as coach because I mean let's face it brothers are brothers they're always gonna they're gonna love they're gonna fight they're gonna whatever you know but did you guys ever ever you know uh have that when you were when you guys were coaching you know coaching together we didn't like it was uh, he's been around the game he's played it you know he's played in he played up in Canada you know he played with a lot of great players, Kurt Malby, Todd Harvey. So he, he's played a lot, played at Canisius uh, for three years. Um, you know, he knows the game. And I think he knew the, his role, but I, I really don't remember ever arguing anything with him or talking about it. And, you know, he never tried to big time me or whatever, you know. Um, but when we play softball and stuff, oh, yeah, we're at each other's throats at times, you know. So. <laughs> But as as a as my assistant, he was he was fine, and you know I I learned, you know from a lot of the guys that I've been coaching with, I've been fortunate that you don't treat your assistant coaches as assistant coaches, you treat them as people, and then you know as an equal, you know, and a lot of times just told them give me all the advice you can give me, you know, and if I use it, I you do, and if I don't, you know, don't take it personal. But that's you know, and just like I said, just try to treat them, treat them good, and. You know, I was really pretty fortunate with the assistant coaches I've had and, and actually the head coaches I've worked for, you know, it's the same thing. You know, Scott was great. Uh, I had Mike Jones for a little bit when he was at Northview. I went to Northview for a few years. Uh, Kenny's been awesome. Yeah. Like he's, you know, he's, you know, very, very knowledgeable, but, you know, treats me as an equal and treats all his coaches that way. Like, you know, it's just, it's just how he is. And, you know, I think that's what makes makes it work for us now. Well, I mean, considering the guy's uh, dad, God bless him, and Sap was one of a kind, and uh, everybody loves Sap. And well, Kenny and Kelly are just chips off the old block, so you can't argue that. So anyway, well, Sap's a great man. He really did a lot for the Cherokee program too. Very generous man. Um, yep. You know, can't say enough good about him. Well, tell me, tell me some stories about him. About your interactions with him yeah he just you know and actually when the way i got started with kenny was i didn't even know kenny like i knew who kenny was i knew he was sap's son but i had coached the 94 birth year which was my son's age all the way through and, and kenny or uh sappy was there most of the time you know running it so i got to know him pretty good um and i, I just i just didn't know right knew who he was you know didn't you know i'd say hi to him or whatever um, but after high school, Kyler went over there to play. And I think Scott was still the coach at the time. And then uh, I'm not even sure how it worked out. Um, there was a coaching change in the middle. Kenny took over. I, I just sat back like I don't I didn't get involved. I just for me, I just know that stand back, watch and enjoy. And, uh, you know, so I was sitting down in the corner and season was going on. Sappy kept telling me, you know, he would say things like, 
you need to coach with Ray. And, you know, I was like, you know, just kind of blowing it off. Oh yeah. Okay. You know, he's like, no, you know, and this kept going on for a couple of weeks and, you know, I think he was saying the same thing to Kenny Ray and Kenny Ray's like, you know, I don't really know him, you know, we don't really know each other. So long story short, he, we ended up, you know, just meeting or I came over and, you know, we started talking, I think it was like around the playoff time or, you know, that last or his first season and, you know, hired me on for that next, next year. And, you know, I become best buds. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're good buddies. Like, you know, I'm going to hang out with them. Oh, again, and you'll hear me talk about it. It's all about communication, how you treat people. And, you know, I've been very fortunate in my coaching career to be around a lot of good people. Well, I think part of it too, though, TL2 is uh, the way that you can reach kids. I think, don't you think some of it also has to do with the fact that being a school teacher uh, and the fact that you're around kids uh, in your day job, I mean, that probably can kind of segue into what you do as far as communicating with the players that play for you. Yeah, that has to help. I mean, at, at some point, because I'm used to teaching the kids and then, and, and, you know, getting to, to try to do what I want doesn't always work. But, you know, I've been doing that for 30 years. So, you know, I've had a lot of experience of, you know, working with kids and then trying just different techniques out that, you know, may work, may not work. And you kind of you just try it and, you know, you can take that over to your coaching. And when you're working with the older players also, you know, in, the, the biggest part really is every kid's different. Every kid's got a different personality and you just got to kind of, you know, fit it in with their personality. You know, if, if a guy can't get chewed on, it's not a one, but if a guy can get chewed on and you know what, you know, maybe that's the way he's motivated and some guys are motivated differently. So I think being a teacher helps me realize that sort of thing and maybe, you know, will help me get a little closer, or help that player get to the outcomes that they would like. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was thinking too, you know, it's funny because, um, you stepped away from the, from the Cherokee. Um, how long did you take off before you went back into coaching? So when I left the Cherokees, it was, uh, we were heading to Peoria and Kyler was young. I don't know, miter squirt and they were going to Chicago and I'll never forget the day. And we were in our, was my first house and we were just kind of sitting there and um you know he was getting ready to say goodbye and he's like dad can't you just go to Chicago with me one tournament and not go with the charities and you know I was like oh man it broke my heart you know and that's when I kind of pulled Chris Renninger aside and kind of said hey look you know I was at this age it's just I, I just don't want to miss anything you know I don't want to miss him playing and you know at that point I had probably Oh God, 10 years, maybe 11 years in at the time. I think it was 2003, 2004 was my last year with them. I believe. Either 2002, 2003, 2003. Yeah, it was 2002, 2004. 2003. Okay, so that was my last. I came back in uh, 13, so 10 years. Yeah. But during that time, I was coaching the 94s all the way, all the way up. Well, I was going to say, at least that way, you, at least you could be with Kyler and you know, I'm sure, you know, Kelsey and, and Christy hanging around. Correct. So nice. Little yeah. Movie. You know, yeah, I'm a family guy too. You know, it's important, 
make sure you're having dinners around the dinner table. And, you know, I just enjoyed watching my kids do things. And, you know, it's part of the, the stuff where you, just, you don't want to miss those special moments, you know. And, you know, you only have a certain amount of time on, on this thing. And you got one life to live and to try to do it to the best of my ability, you know. Mm-hmm. Make sure I'm a good person. Yep. And uh, that you, you are. So, but, um, so what was it about, uh, you know, you talked about how you got recruited, but what was it about getting back into the Cherokee? Uh, what really made you say, yeah, I'm going to take the, the dive in. I'm going to dive into the pool. Well, it was actually kind of an easy decision because my son was, he ended up playing there. So I got to be able to, to watch and actually help, help out. So, um, you know, there was two years that I was there when he was there and, you know, the passion was still there. And so when the year after he was done, you know, I, I still stayed just because I, I just, I love it. Like, you know, it's just, it's just part of who I am. And, you know, I felt like I still have a good relationship with the kids and still help, you know, make them better hockey players and better people. And again, that goes back to that teaching thing, you know. So um, now, you know, I'm going to let's I want to spend some time. We're going to go back and forth all over the place here. That's just kind of how I do things. But um, let's talk here for a little bit about some of the players. I know if, if we could talk about all of them, we'd be here four hours. But uh, and I wouldn't mind it. But I, I'm sure you've got a few things you've got to do today. So um Let's talk about some of the players that have played for you. We'll start with the early years. I mean, obviously, you know, you think of guys, everyone always thinks of the of the uh, names of the guys that went on to play, you know, pro, whether it be Rusty McKee, Adam Edinger, you know, guys like that. Um, but there yeah. were a lot of really good players back then. I mean, I think of, you know, John Cotton. I think of Jason Renner, right. you know, uh, just some of these guys that, uh, John Jepson. Yeah. John Jepson, uh, Sean Bratton, you know, I think some of the, the funnier, crazy guys, tell me what you remember about some of these guys. And including if, even if I don't bring them up, if you remember about some of these different guys, uh, from back then that played, uh, and you know, that you ran into later or whatever, just cause that's, I love, I love good stories and the yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, you know, guys like Mike Kellemeyer and Rob Kroll, I mean, they're, they're just classic Cherokee players and, you know, we still keep in contact and, you know, you know, Mike was always kind of a, just a crazy, goofball. made everybody laugh, you know, love the game. And, yep. you know, one of the things I told you, we talked about before is you remember he scored a goal over here in rink one and uh, takes the goal, he scores a nice upper, you know, glove side, top shelf scores puts his hands up takes goalies water bottle starts drinking it next thing we know we got like a wine brawl going on you know <laughs> he's just getting he's just getting fed you know and it's like, oh did you see me win that and we're like oh yeah mike you got two black eyes and a broken nose you did a great <laughs> job <laughs> you know rob crow wearing gold cup and he's there's a slap shot thing and you know the referee's coming over i should throw him out da, 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 da. Yeah, he, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, because he, he went across the uh, the bench of the Chiefs with his stick. Oh, my God. I, yeah, yeah was, we, we needed to win that game, too. And, I mean, yeah, did he, did he so, do that in overtime or was that in the third? I think it was in the third. 
because he ended up just giving him, I believe, a 10 minute misconduct. I don't know how Scott talked him out of it, you know, but, <laughs> Good um, you know, John Jepson was just probably the, the most steady defenseman I had, but, you know, just solid, like, you know, make that first pass quick, get it up the ice. So, um, him and I, we always back then, Stone Cold Steve Austin, we were just talking about it, you know, got him 316 shirt equipment, that kind of stuff. So, oh, God. well, what's well, that was good. What's worse, that or or when uh, Steve Litke would uh, name his sticks? Right, I saw that the first time. I was like, man, this this guy <laughs> knows about this guy, but he ended up being really good for us too. Um, very steady, just a good, hardworking kid. Uh, you know, he he was solid for us. Oh yeah, uh, tell me tell me a little bit about John Cotton. What was he like? He was skilled offensive defenseman like he he was very good in dumping the play and you know he he was like a forward playing uh defense um just a really nice kid uh you know never never back just listened and you know very very coachable that's what you want he was young he was young playing with us too yeah if i remember that he was you know but he he was good now how about like uh jason renegar Oh, just solid, man. When he hits you, it was just bone crushing. Uh, get another solid kid. Uh, I, I coached him for a lot of years. And he's another one. Just listens, you know. Um, play hard. Uh, you know, just a guy you'd want to have on your team. Yeah. I always said he was a football player playing hockey because when he hit you, uh, the people in the other rink felt it. <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. That guy was like a tank. Yeah, he, he was a heavy hitter. Yeah, no question. Now, uh, tell me, the, and then shortly after that, you come across a guy named Ferenc Satlos. That had to be a unique it's experience. Be, yeah, he did not speak much um, than the guys would, you know, they say this and, you know, probably shouldn't be saying that, but then they would all laugh. But, you know, as he played for us, he got stronger and stronger. And he was really, you know, by his last year, he was, he was dominant. Um, that relationship's really, really good there. Um, and I just talked to him probably about six months ago, you know, when he's doing great and I think he's flying planes and, you know, I can see stuff on Facebook, but he's just, uh, he was just a hard nosed kid and didn't skate, had the greatest skating stride, but man, he was, he had good hands. You know, and it's funny. I, I just, like I said, you, as you just mentioned, you know, about his English. Oh my gosh. I just, I still smile and chuckle every time I hear uh, a story about him because it automatically goes back to buckets off, expletive deleted. Yeah, bucket, <laughs> yeah. bucket, yeah, buckets off. And then, yeah. Yeah. I just, I just, I just smile. And, uh, and the, and the funniest thing for me was, was the night of the national championship. Everyone's on the ice celebrating and everything. Then everyone gets their medals and stuff. I'm, I'm still upstairs on the radio broadcasting and I finally finish up and I go down to the locker room and standing right side by side next to each other are, uh, Scott Williamson and, and Ferentz. And, Ferentz uh, yells something like, that's right, buckets off, 
blankety blank and then drinks right. from the cup. Scott looks at me without missing a beat and just goes, you know, Ference's English has gotten so much better. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, oh, that's my God. true. Oh, man, that was so funny. And uh, yeah, his and now, you know, he speaks so well. His English now is so great, you know, but, um, you know, I just remember some little things like that. Um, I, I remember um, the I ran into Scott at the rink when we got back. And I looked at him and he smiled at me and just said, hey, mission accomplished. And I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And uh, so, you know, I just, um, again, that was, it was one of those things where I was like happy, but I was sad because that's one of the things about junior hockey is you can, you age out, you know, you only can play certain four years there essentially, and then you move on. And, you know, it was like some of those guys, you know, uh, Hank Avink, you know, Kellemeyer, uh, Scott Bricker, you know, um, trying to think of some of the other guys, that, oh, yeah. you know, that aged out. And it was like, I was so happy to win the title and everything that we won the title. But I was also bummed because it was like, that's it for, you know, a number of those guys that I'm not going to see anymore. You know, Nikki Deichen, you know, I mean, it, I just think of all those guys on that team that, we're either going to try out somewhere else or be on, you know, move on, whether it be college or what, or whatever. And just, uh, you know, like I said, that was, that was the part that I had because I didn't know much about juniors back then. I really didn't. Um, and when that stuff happened, it was like, you know, I, I didn't know what to think or feel, you know, because, you know, and, and, I, you know, you don't know, you know, when's the last time you're going to see somebody. And for a lot of those guys, until doing this podcast stuff, I haven't seen since. And then we reconnect, you know, and it's been great to reconnect. But I'm just saying back then, it was just really a struggle for me because emotionally, you don't, uh, you know, you don't know if you're going to see these people ever again or not. And, you, and when you bond with somebody, it's like you 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 think wow man that's you know we're friends we're this we're that well you know i mean i didn't again that was one of those things but what i've learned and prime the primary person i learned it through was through you is that <laughs> yes is that you even though you're not uh playing on the you know you're not on the team anymore you can still be friends and still hang out and do stuff and that was what you and I did for a, a while there with you and your wife. We played volleyball together. We played softball. Uh, we've golfed. I mean, a little bit of everything, you know, outside of the world of hockey. And, right. uh, you know, and, you know, with uh, we have a bunch of mutual friends and, you know, it's like, yeah, you can you can do this. You can make this work. And I, that, that's what I learned from, you know, spending time with you and Christy and stuff is that, you know, you can make this work, you know, it isn't just hockey season and then goodbye, you know, right. It's, you know, so, and I think that really helped me a lot, you know, and that's why I'm more appreciative uh, of, of the relationships I've made through hockey. You know, I, it, it's my, uh, it's my other family and, yeah you know, it's, 
it's incredible some of the some of the uh, guys that came out of that you know and i think about you know you know later on you know whether after uh your first full season as head coach you know some of those crazy characters oh my gosh i mean you know i think of uh labby jeremy labianca i think of uh you know right. luke jones i mean you talk about if chirping if chirping was an olympic event those guys would be on the olympic team oh yeah for sure you know you know getting back getting back to what you were saying what I found is, you know, a lot of these guys I haven't talked to in years, but you know, if you do, once you do start talking to, them, it's like, you've been talking your whole time. It's, it's easy to get back acquainted with them. You know, those teams earlier on, and, and I only know this because we're older now that we're real close. And a lot of those guys still, you know, get together and, and, you know, still talk to each other and, you know, listen to some of your podcasts with the guys that just brought back some great memories, but, you know, always knowing, you know, like a lot of times, you know, the guys will, you know, you know, Facebook them say hey, I was a great interview, blah, 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 and we start talking. So it's good. I mean, you know, you have that relationship with them. And I don't think it ever goes away. You know, you may not see each other, but if once somebody reaches out and you start talking, it comes back. I have to agree with you there, man. No question. It's like it's like uh you just pick up where you left off. That's that's essentially what yeah. you do. So um, you know, we talk about some and, and to me, I still think the best job I ever seen you do as a head coach was the year we went to nationals in 2000, 2001 in Hartford. Uh, because that team had some talent, some good talent on it, but it just wasn't clicking right away. And up until a little before Christmas, it was getting kind of dicey. And, uh, but uh, you put the work in and, uh, I noticed how hard you put that work in because that team, especially the second half of the season, just played lights out and became the Cherokee team that I was used to seeing, you know, right. You know, they, they, yeah. you got the most out of what you had that year. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that we was as talented, but we worked hard and I was having problems just trying to get that, get that, you know, either one, getting them to believe it, you know, and see that it's going to work. It took a little while to do that. Um, we had talent, but it was just, you know, it was going in different directions. And it, it's hard if you've never been a head coach, head coach, like, you know, everything comes back on you. Everything, you know, every coach is like, hey, you know, this is, you know, I need to get this fixed. So, you know, most of the time your head coaches are, are got because they got more stuff on their plate. Um, but it's just being able to have good people around you to help take some of that off. And and most of the time, you know, the head coaches, they, they put the more pressure on themselves. So you're always working harder. But, you know, I've, I've learned that if, you, you know, you got good assistant coaches, they can help you with the process or, you know, maybe you're not seeing something and, and they can, you know, find something to, to help us in that way. But, you know, you just want to, and usually that's, it's not, our, you know, usually we start off really, really hot, go through a little lull and finish strong. This one, we just kind of are stagnant. You know, we were okay, you know, win the games we should win, but weren't winning the ones I, you know, I wanted to win against the, the St. Louis's, that type of thing. So we figured a few things out, made a few changes, got the lines right, and it, it really went well towards the end. 
Yep. And, you know, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, back then, you know, I mentioned some of the guys when you first started, but even just after that, in those last several years, you had some, you had some serious talent. I mean, I think of the Kelly Kesters of the world, Larry Willard, uh, Larry oh, yeah. Bryan. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The Larry's. I mean, it, it was, that, those were some like seriously skilled players, high speed, high intensity, uh, you know, just, uh, and of course you had, uh, some decent, uh, you know, you had some good goaltending back then too, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Andy Reynolds, uh, Chris Elliott were, were both, you know, Larry Bryan was, he, he was a stud man. He was, you know, up and down the ice and and, uh, just flying around hard shot. And again, just another player that just, you know, just works, works, works. <clears throat> Larry Wheeler was just skilled. Like he was real good. He was real young when he played for me. Um, but man, he could just kind of go, go, you know, and I think he played there at Kelly's last year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, Kelly, it's hard to say a lot. I mean, he was probably, I had a lot of good captains, you know, but he might've been the best captain to play for me that in, in what I mean is where the team followed his lead. So he got called up to Capitol Center, you know, and we said, yeah, you know, that's where, you know, that's what you want to do. And, you know, it's tough for the other assistants to come in and try to be the captain. It's just, it's different. Like it's, you know, once you have something set and then, you know, it changes. And those guys were, were trying. So, and then we went through kind of a lull back then and, uh, you know, just had some different issues and, and, you know, had to get rid of a couple guys and, and pick up a few guys. And, um, you know, I got a call from Kelly. He's like, it was like right before the trade deadline. And, you know, Kelly was, you know, I think he was a third line guy there. And, you know, Kelly just, he ended up telling me, you know, want to be traded back to Toledo, which, and uh, he ended up, you know, coming back and, you know, about those last 10 or 12 games were, Dylan, you were just flying. You know, it's like I knew, you know, you know how special someone is just because you're you, you see him for so long. And with Kelly, if Kelly was six foot five, 220 pounds with his talent and speed and skill, he'd be in the NHL. I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I have no doubt in my mind. Yeah, he, 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 you know, he, he a fierce competitor. Yes, yes. And the thing is, is that you knew he meant what he meant to the team because i remember at a showcase i remember sitting there I, I wasn't wearing any cherokee gear or anything i was just sitting in a in the scouts room getting a bite to eat and uh, i heard a couple of scouts talking and another coach from another team out of our division talking and they were saying talking about toledo and, and i think they were talking about st louis or somebody but they were talking about toledo and they said, yeah, that number 17 kid they got, they go, he's their whole team. I've never seen a, a, a guy literally carry a team on his back like him. And he isn't a big kid. And I was like, that, <laughs> man, wow. It's like, you know us or something, <laughs> you know, but uh, I was like, holy hmm. crap. But there were still some good players back then too, though, besides Kelly, though, that I enjoyed watching. I mean, oh, probably, yeah, there's a lot there. 
I'm just, I would just say more from a captain's point as a leader. Yeah. You know, just, you know, he put the work in and guys, you know, guys would follow him, you know. I always think just, of guys just like his presence. Oh, yeah. I always think of guys like Bobby Mays or Dan Mays, you know, who we, you oh, know, yeah. just, I mean, back then, Julie, uh, uh, Potsy, maybe, uh, you know, just uh, oh, yeah. all these guys. That, well, Dan came around. I wasn't even sure we could keep them, you know, and we ended up keeping them and it was probably the best move we made. Um, he didn't play much this first year. And then afterwards he, he really started coming around and he was physical, you know, became a, you know, back then there was a little more fighting in there and he, he would fight, you know, he could fight and, you know, he would do well. I remember the one time we were playing Metro at Metro and I think it was Ryan Scop or scope. I'm not sure how you say his last name. Mm-hmm. He was starting and, he goes to Danny, hey, have your coach start you, you know, I got a scout here wants to see me fight. And so, you know, I always call him Bobby. Bobby comes to me, da, 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 da. So I had to walk over to the score sheet, change my starting lineup, you know, and drop the puck. <laughs> and this, him and Ryan started going at it. And it was a good tussle back and forth. But I think, I think, uh, you know, Bobby got the best of him. But, I mean, it was just was what he did in, in a – he worked real hard and you know again just a great team guy yes i couldn't i could sit here and do uh, a whole thing on him uh, just he just a great kid but uh, they all were back then they were fun to uh, be around and to yep. watch and you know i remember too who was who, go ahead who was the other player you said was bobby mays and who Oh, I was just throwing around a few. Um, I was throwing around a few names. Oh, Potsy. Potsy, yeah. Potsy was another one. Yeah, we got him from Fort Wayne High School. I thought it began with an N, maybe Normandy or something, some high school I'd never heard of. I don't even know if it was a varsity sport then, but he had he had just you know a whole bunch of points and you know he kind of came in and he was real just kind of green and you know, but man he he stuck it out and played great. I think his last year he had almost 100 points, not 100, but he was. You know, it's funny because um, I think about some of that time back then, too, with him. Yeah, is the fact that he was, he had great hands around the net. He could finish. He just uh, didn't always like going into the corners working hard, but he could finish like nobody's right. business. And, of course, the other thing we all teased him about for a long time was that, uh, well, we knew he couldn't fight because uh, he tried it once. And... Well, that didn't go so well. Anyway, oh yeah, that was in Cincinnati, if I remember. Uh, so it was Cincinnati. Yeah, and I'm not sure if he didn't get one punched or not. He, I don't I remember. You... I'm trying to remember. I can't. I think if I remember correctly, he like what he took one wild swing to try and hit the other guy and lost his balance and went and basically went to the ice. He ended up getting up onto his knees and put his hands in front of his face just to kind of do a, a, a protect himself type thing. And everyone was like, Oh my God, he's going to die. <laughs> you know? And, and, right. And, and the, the kid, I think the kid hit him once and then just stopped. Cause he knew he was going to kill him, you know? And, uh, right. you know, cause Potsy's many things, a fantastic goal scorer, a, a, a great player but uh, pugilism is not in his repertoire. I agree. <laughs> but it's much better skill guy. 
you know, so, but uh, I still keep in touch with him to this day, both him and Bobby and love them both dearly. Uh, you know, I just absolutely love them. Um, yeah, I just, we, we were in Fort Wayne playing and he came down to see me. Yep. Oh, that, that's, that says a lot too, about the fact that some of these guys, you know, come down and see you and stuff, um, you know, or try to get Hell a hold yeah. of you, you know, I mean, that's, that says a lot Ohms about what, about what you brought and how you impacted yeah. these guys. You know, for better or for worse, that's that's your story. <laughs> but uh, now, that's true. Uh, tell tell me about some of these other guys. Uh, just a couple more guys here in the earlier era, and you know, because the other thing I remember too about Bobby was the time in practice in tryouts. Matter of fact, it was tryouts. He decided to test him. So he got challenged to test uh, Gabe Young. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember Gabe Young. Wow, it's like six yeah. five. Bobby came up. Yeah, his hands were like feet, like they were huge. Um, yeah, I'm not even sure whatever ended up happening with him, but I remember when Bobby did come, like he was physical. He was trying to get underneath some of the guy's skin, and he did a couple of them. So that's when we kind of picked up on him. He wasn't afraid. Some sometimes those kids come in there, and it's it's new to junior hockey, and then you know they're a little timid. But uh, you know, Danny, he he got. He dropped him with him, and you know I think he probably had two or two, at least two fights I can remember in there, um, you know, and that just kind of showed us what kind of kid kid he was. And you need a few guys like like that to go into corners, or somebody's taking advantage of somebody. To you know, it's different now, but you know back then you had to have guys like that. And, and you know he's a great locker room guy, and you know he had a great career and went to Eastern, and you know, mm-hmm. and now he's coaching out in Pittsburgh. Played well. You know, so Penguins elite. So that's yep. really good teams. Yeah, so. Oh yeah. So it says a lot about him. Um, now you know. I also now as far as Gabe Young goes, I know he uh, was in New England somewhere coaching a few years ago because he sent me an email a long time ago asking me if he knew where we could oh, find really? any of his stats. Yeah, yeah. And he's he said he's bald now. He doesn't have that because he had that big uh, that big head of hair that was dyed blonde. Uh, blonde yeah blonde yeah, yeah, yeah i remember that yeah and he and he uh yeah he i mean he was he was he was definitely unique i will say that uh and he had yeah yeah you know i mean if he had it i i, I just i was trying to think you know um because he was about like six five six six he was a big guy yeah, he was big i, I remember doug elliott's like well, you know because he was good you know he's like he shouldn't be in this league or whatever, you know, I was like, yeah, I'm not sure. We, I remember we offered him a spot. I don't, I can't remember why he didn't take it. If he had somewhere else, he had another tier two trial or something. Uh, I can't remember really what happened, but at the same camp, Paul Bowes was there mm-hmm. and uh, his parents, I think his parents were out of town or something, but he asked uh Cosentine to fight or teach him how to fight or something. And, uh, Dude, Scott just lays him out like, you know, he took like 10 or 12 stitches over his eyebrow, you know. So I went down there. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you know, it's a young kid. He's like, coach, he asked me to. Like, I didn't want to. He kept saying. And Paul was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I asked him. I was like, oh, okay. You know, Good night. man. And Paul was you know, happy about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, I got laid out. Yeah. So yeah. He could fly up another way, too. Yeah. 
I actually reconnected with him a little bit on Facebook too. Talked to him. He's got a nice little family going and everything's oh, yeah. good. Yep. Um, Nick Billenow is another really good defenseman, very quiet kid, uh, very, very skilled. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I don't know if it was that practice or the end of tryouts, but he popped, he dislocated his shoulder and just a tough kid. I remember going down and we were, he was ended up coming in the locker room. You think he was in the referee's room. And I looked at it, man, and it was, it was still popped out. Like he had to go to the hospital to get it popped back in. It was, it was bad. Ouch. Um, but he, had, you know, he was only out for a couple of weeks and, you know, I think he fit there's a season for us, but he was another one. It was a very, very skilled guy. Yep. And you know, it, 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 of course, now you start talking about all this stuff and now the, the, the names start coming back. And of course, one that I'll never forget was, uh, Antonio Pomponio. <laughs> he was a character, man, that guy, uh, tough as nails defenseman was very bony. Cause he was literally, again, he, I mean, he, when he came to us, he was like a 15 year old. He wasn't even 16 yet. And I remember the game against Columbus, the cr- the crush and their heavyweight. The, he was an overager. He's a 20 year old and decides to challenge Antonio to a fight. And if I remember you were freaking out, you're like, no, no, no. And, uh, he drops, yeah. the, he drops the gloves with this kid and with one punch. Antonio drops him, but he doesn't just drop him. I mean, yeah, he, I think he broke his his nose, his cheekbone, his orbital bone, and then the kid. Yeah, orbital he, bone for sure. I remember that. Yep. And then because he was he went unconscious, he fell right to the ice and landed on his wrist and broke his wrist. All of that with one punch. Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, he he was a tough kid. He he was thin. He needed you know. He need, we could get put about 40 more pounds on him. Yeah. It made him, he could have, you know, sky would have been the limit. Yep. And, uh, cause I remember him and Chris Kraft were like best friends back then. Kraft was another interesting oh, yeah. guy. Chris Kraft, he's another, he's a character too. He was hilarious. He always had a smile on his face. Yeah. Big kid from Wisconsin. Yep. Oconomowoc, if I remember. Um, just uh, a funny, and he was a funny kid too. And it was weird. Yes. Years later, years later, several years later, I, I think it was during uh, the time with Varga. Um, I we were on the road in Grand Rapids, and we get to the rink, and everyone's getting their gear going in, and I I had my stuff, and I go into the pro shop, and I see this tall, uh, gangly guy, studying a, a book you know, like a school book, like he's in school and studying his bu- uh, stuff. And I, I look over and I'm like, I don't, I know you. And he looks up and it was Chris Kraft and stuff. He was, he, he was going to school in Grand Rapids and I was and I'm going, Oh my God. So we, uh, you know, we, we sort of, uh, start talking and everything and laughing and stuff. And, you know, um, but you know, you run into guys like that sometimes, you know, you just do, um, and I ran into him there. I've run into several guys from other years and stuff, uh, you know, on, on the road and everything. And it's always been fun. But, uh, you know, I, I was I was just thinking about that, too. Uh, you know, he was Chris was I tell you, a, 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 you talk about a character, good guy. Uh, I mean, everyone knows about my, you know, my battle here with uh, with cancer and everything that I've been doing and stuff and I'm getting better with. Um, 
but Chris actually sought me out. I mean, he went not through, he didn't, he didn't know I was on uh, social media or anything. He went and sought me out, got my phone number from another one of the players and called me, left a voicemail saying, please call me back, blah, 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 et cetera. And I lost his phone number. I accidentally deleted it. And uh, so for a long time, and then what happened, I heard the uh, voicemail. And so what I did was I went back and I looked at my history, my phone history through my phone carrier and found a Wisconsin number. And it was the only Wisconsin number. So I said, that's got to be craft. So I call and I leave a voicemail and I explain what happened. And he calls me back and we spent a long time on the phone just catching up and talking about everything, you know, some hockey related, but mostly not. And I just thought that was the neatest thing that he did, you know, for me, you know, and to do that, reach out to me like that. And uh, it just says a lot about him. He's a good guy, you know, and still yeah, a good guy. great character kid. Yeah, he just, as a matter of fact, just recently came back from vacation. The only reason I know that is because he went on vacation with Larry Willard. <laughs> their families. Oh, together. really? Yeah. Yeah, their families, their kids, and all that, they all get, got together and went somewhere. They do frequently. Whenever they vacation, they try to catch up and stuff, and they uh, get together and go. Uh, but um, uh, still, just like I said, those were all just some of the good guys. But let's talk now for a few minutes about some of the guys when you came back. I mean, whether it was uh, – I'm trying to think of some of the names early on. You know, obviously, guys like um, – uh, Pavo, uh, you know, up to current day, you know, you had guys like Caleb Williams, uh, you know, Anthony Weinberg. Oh, yeah. 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 Anthony was a really good player for us. Uh, big kid, um, played forward and he played defense for us a little bit. Uh, you know, just a good hard nosed kid. Um, you know, Pavo, European style. Uh, he really, he, Took a little while to get used to the game. He was not used to all the hitting and all that. And then uh, by the end, he was he, he was good. He started to figure it out. Um, I'm trying to think, did you did you coach the Pisanis? Yes, coach the Pisanis. Yeah, both the kids. Um, you know, worked hard. Uh, one was a little more. You know, Don was a little more offensive than Michael. Uh, not afraid to. Nick Verbowski, you know, oh, he, yeah. he played. Good old Verby. Uh, oh yeah, good kid. Uh, you know, just a just a quality kid. Yeah, Blake Mullins. Think, uh, what? Blake Mullins, all those guys. Oh Blake, yeah. Actually, I was just talking to Blake here recently. He's, he's another one. He, we had a we had a discussion in there, and he, you know, we were just talking about the penalty kill and just doing different things, and you know, he, he was. 100% on it, you know, you just started to lose his mind a little bit, and we still chuckle about that, you know. He ended up getting those Kenny Nice shirts, say, 100%, always 100%. Um, so that was good. Uh, he's a good kid. Um, he's actually going to be uh, EMT firefighter also. I think he's finished with his EMT right now. He's just waiting to get his paramedic license, so that's good. Yeah, and then that other kid that wore number 44, he wasn't too bad either. Well, yeah. Yeah, he was good, and He's a fireman right now. He's been a fireman for five years, uh, my son. So, yeah, it was good. It, you know, hockey was good for him because, you know, he could finish out his eligibility. He went to school, 
and got his uh, fire one, fire two degree, and then went right in the fire department afterwards. So, you know, some guys play to go to school, or some guys just play, you know, while they're in school. So just, you know, yeah. it's different for each each person. All right, and uh, of course, you know, I mean, I could go on and on here, and I'll do a couple more here. Just throw a couple more that I remember. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about uh, what you remember with um, trying to think. Was it? Did the Pogorskis play for you? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. If that was my first year or my the second year that I came on. Um, because they were fighting. different players. You yeah. know, one one was more of a grinder. Yeah, very fight tough. Just hard nosed kids too. Like you know, they they weren't afraid to mix it up. I mean, those those are the type of kids where. You know, somebody cross checks them, you know, you get, you get two cross checks back, you know. Yeah. So uh, just good, tough kids. Uh, uh, how about, tell me about uh, a guy who I think, uh, um, who I think of as far as the, the current Cherokee and a guy that, you know, I mentioned Caleb Williams earlier, but I think of guys like Timmy Oregon, Bryce Davis. I mean, those guys are guys that have helped make, put their own stamp on what this Cherokee team is now. Yeah. Timmy Oregon, very, very skilled defenseman, uh, moves the puck up well, skates well, shoots, shoots the puck hard. Actually he's following his dreams. going to play D three at trines there right now. Um, so it was a good late pickup for us. Bryce Davis is just the tricky player, just good, hard nosed, tough, keep your mouth shut and just goes to work. You know, you could, you, you could get moved to the fourth line one day and gives you the same amount of effort every single night, every single shift. So uh, he, he's our captain and uh, you know, it's a very good pick for us. Yep. Now, um, I, one guy we haven't talked, we've talked a little about him, but we haven't talked much about him uh, from a, 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 a just a, a great, standpoint of what he has meant to you and that is kenny miller because kenny you know again he came on late in my during my time there but uh has always him and his family sap kelly uh their mom uh you know even his even his uh wife stephanie and their and their daughter uh, they've all been nothing but gracious to me. Very, they've always treated me really well. And it's not just me. They're that way towards yeah. most everybody. And that's the one thing I noted. And it just, it, it just says a lot about them. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about not only just, uh, away from the ice, but too some of the stuff he brings on the ice, whether it's, uh, craziness, uh, having fun, that kind of stuff. Well, I'll talk about the latter part first. And, and Kenny, really, we we become really close. Uh, I'm getting chills right now just talking about it, just because our families are close. We, you know, we were over there celebrating her father, you know, Stephanie's dad's life just uh, yesterday. And uh, you know, I, I can't tell you what they mean. I mean, they they are like family to us. And Kenny's like a brother. And him and I have had some some really good. You know, it just. And this is what hockey does. It, it, you find 
friendships and, and, you know, people that you don't think you would be best friends with, you know, I've been in a couple of the players weddings, uh, you know, been to a few that, you know, invited to other weddings and, you know, like Kenny and I, like we're, we, we talk every day, even if, you know, during the summer, you know, and probably see each other a couple of times, whether we're going to dinner with the family or maybe playing golf. Um, I can talk to you if I, you know, I'm having a bad day or something, I need to talk to somebody. Kenny's a guy world to and know that he's just going to listen and he's not going to, you know, judge or do whatever, you know, so he's just a really, really great friend. And, you know, Stephanie and my wife are, are close and Caden, you know, they're just great people. And, you know, if you'd asked me before I knew him, I, I really didn't know him that well. And I, I, I never would have thought we'd hang out. Like I just, you know, I just didn't see us, you know, doing that. And you know, that's why hockey's so great. And, you know, things happen, you know, and Kenny's a coach of uh, Mike Jones and, and Scott Searing has been awesome. Rod McCarthy, I've, you know, and Kenny, Kenny's a great one also. Like he's, he's very, knows the game, watches the game, you know, uh, our practice. I mean, we very rarely uh, do the same drill twice. So, I mean, he's got a, a whole bunch of these drills that we do and, and he'll, put them, you know, whatever we need to work on, whether it's chipping out or whether it's making, you know, for the defenseman making that first pass quick or, you know, just different things, but our practices are always different. Um, he gets fired up sometimes. Like, you know, he, he wears his heart on his sleeve and, you know, he'll get it going and he'll chew on a referee if he needs to, or, you know, a player. But the good thing about Kenny is, you know, he, if he jumps down your throat, you know, two minutes later, he's fine. He's forgot about it. Like he said what he needed to say and let's move on. And, you know, some of the kids, sometimes they get big wide eyed and they don't realize. And then after they've been there a little bit, they, they get it, you know? So, um, but I've been fortunate enough to work with them. I think this is, we were talking about, it might be eight or nine years now. I mean, we've been together, so. It's been a while. But yeah, still enjoy it. And, you know, I, I still like, uh, you know, working with them. And probably having the ener- the young energy of Nick Signs probably helps too. Oh, Nick's, yeah, Nick's great, too, and he came on, like, you know, we, I wasn't really sure what to expect, you know, uh, when he came on as player personnel, you know, I think we just put an ad on Facebook or something, I'm not even sure. We, we had had some other interviews, and things just kind of fell through, and, uh, you know, Nick's got that young energy, and he's learning still uh, how the game, how this process works, you know, and, and getting everybody, and, you know, but he's did a great job recruiting. He's got you know, really good relationships with all these kids. And that was something that Kenny and I, that wasn't our favorite part anymore. When I was younger, I loved the recruit. I was, you know, I, it was a battle between, you know, and I would take it, you know, real serious. And, you know, that I like to do that. And then as I got older, you know, I, I don't know, <laughs> that drive just wasn't as, you know, wasn't as like it used to be. Um, to get those kids and, you know, and, and getting those kids, you're, you're, you're calling, you're calling kids and, you know, you call 50 kids and maybe 20 of them respond back to you. So you're, you keep doing the 20, 50, you know, 50 kids you talk to, maybe 20 of them get back to you. So you just keep doing it. And Nick's done a great job the last couple of years, getting us some really good players. And, uh, you know, he's done it again this year. You know, we just got done with camp and we're excited. I'm excited, but he's got that young energy and, you know, I think it's going to, it's, it's working. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Now, uh, got just a couple more parts here that I want to talk about for a little bit. 
And again, we're going to go back down memory lane. Um, tell me. Stop. Make sure what's it's not too long. I, so I don't want to make sure. Yeah, wah, 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 wah. Anyway, yeah, I don't want people to turn it off, dude. They're gonna. This will probably be the most listened to one ever. Okay. Oh, yes. on, Nick. Nick. Stop it. Just stop it. Now, because number one, even your own head coach refers to you as a Toledo legend, a coaching legend for the Cherokee. What? I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. I said, let's go in a different direction than where that's going. Yeah. Well, all I'm saying, I'm well, I'm not going to dwell on it. All I'm, I know how uncomfortable you get, but let's face it. Uh, with the number of people that still keep in touch with you, the number of people that still seek, whether it's just a joke around or it's sometimes a coaching tip, uh, people that you did, that you started out this relationship with Kenny and didn't even know him. And you went from that to being best buds. Eh, I think, I think he might bring a little something to the table here. Okay. So just get over it, embrace it and just move on. So there, I said it. Sounds good. Fight me. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, no, I want to go into talking about uh, the coaches you've coached against over the years. Uh, some good ones. Yeah, some real good ones. Uh, John Cooper, really good coach here. Uh, we lost to him in overtime, and then they end up winning the national championship. But he, he was good. Uh, flags and – he was a Grand Rapids when I was, yeah. when I was coaching. Uh, another yeah. one just knew the game and knew knew you had to bring your A game. You know, you knew they were well coached. They were going to be, you know, disciplined and you know. So yeah, and also the fact that I I learned first of all the the funniest human being in, that I ever came across in the CSHL was Jeff Lang. Langer, oh yeah, Langer had a way of just making me like fall over to where my ribs hurt. He would make me laugh so hard, and just telling stories. He would talk about stories and comment on them, and that's what got me going. He would just start, and he would make me laugh so hard. Um, and of course, then you got other uh, crazy characters. Uh, I, I think of Bob Jacobson out in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. oh. Yep, Bob. He, he's a beauty. Never saw oh, Jack B. Handy. Yeah, never he's saw Bob. Man. Yep, never saw Bob without a cup of coffee. Yeah, that's true. It, well, that's him, true. Him and Mike Robertson, same thing. Our former yep. GM never saw him without a cup of coffee. It, it it almost be like seeing him without a shirt on. It, that's true. And 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 in Bob's case, I think I actually saw it once. He took his shirt off when he was outside of a bus trip. And I was right. scarred for life. Anyway, um, well, I will say about Mike Robertson, he had no hockey knowledge coming in, and he was just he was you know hanging around mm-hmm. and started doing a lot of the odd jobs, and then uh, he ended up being a general manager when I was around. Like he would, he, you know, I could ask him to do some things. He did some things. So I thought that was kind of cool that a guy that really didn't have any hockey background that you know put a lot of time into Cherokee. So a little shout out to Mike. Oh, no question. Uh, Mike and Diana, I think they started out as as billeters, didn't they? Yep. Yeah. Housing. Yeah, bill. Yep. Housing. So that's good. <laughs> but uh, they they started out as that and just did it the old fashioned way. They worked their way up, 
So, you know, and uh, became real key components of the Cherokee organization during that time. And of course, we, we couldn't talk about them either if we didn't talk about Tom Higgins and he was GM. And Higgy was just a piece. Yeah, he was after me. He came. Yeah. He's, I knew him before. I didn't know him as a general manager, but I, I, yeah, I knew him. He's, he's a good hockey, good Toledo hockey guy, too. Yeah, no question. Toledo about area. It. Amen to that, man. Uh, but uh, I uh, but I remember and Jack, oh my gosh, Jack uh, Behan, <laughs> St. Louis. Uh, I used to tell him, uh, to this day, I still tell him I hate him because he, of all those national championships. But uh, yeah. J- Jack and I are close. We still keep in touch and, and talk on the phone and we'll talk, uh, you know, and stuff. We'll, and I'll have him on my radio show, all that kind of stuff. And anyway, uh, but I remember one time it, we were out at, uh, it, was, it was during, I think, uh, when Varga was there. Um, they had, they changed the name from Gold Cup to Herster Cup. And we're, they had it in St. Louis. And Bob uh, was coaching during a game. Cleveland was playing, I think it was a, a, oh gosh, it was like a, they they had three teams going to Nationals, and they offered a spot in the tournament to a junior C team, the Mass Maple Leafs, and uh, it was like Bob was playing that team, and they were, it was a close game, but they were still beating them, but it was close, and Bob's on the bench, right there at the end of the bench, and if you remember the Afton Arena, Todd, where that little area between the benches, you could literally walk right in there and stand there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jack is in there, and I'm standing there. And we're watching the game, and Bob's standing right, like, about maybe about 15 feet from us on the bench. And he's got his cup of coffee there, and he's trying to get a playoff beard going and of course (laughs) it's real scuzzy and it's kind of reddish brown and so jack just is unloading on him making all kinds of wiseacre remarks i mean it it, of course the the coup de grace was when he looked at him finally and he goes you know what he says you look like the leprechaun on the lucky box on the lucky charms uh box of cereal and i'm sitting there shaking like jello going jack please stop. I'm just begging him, please stop. And and Bob is about ready to stroke. He's ready to have an aneurysm. His eyes are so big. I'm sure his face is, yeah. His face was redder than his hair. And I mean, it just so, and then, so Bob ends up winning and they, he ends up qualifying for nationals and Jack sends him a box. He ships him a box to Cleveland of lucky charms. And that's, that's that's just typical Jack, you know. And uh, so we, I, I remember it was like a couple. I don't know how many years later it was. Several years later, um, Jack steps down. He's like, you know, I've I've done enough. Blah blah blah. He, he's retired from coaching the junior team. Well, Bob calls him out of the blue and asks him if he'll, you know, he says you're not. He says, what are you doing? He says, well. Nothing really. He says, I'm just, I've got my gone fishing hat, uh, sign on, up and that's about it. You know, not really doing anything. And he says, uh, well, why don't you come coach with us? And he made the, like, the numbers work and made the time frame involved work. And uh, it, so Jack thought about it and thought about it and finally just said, eh, why not? You know, 
and he made he, they made a deal. Bob made him a deal he couldn't refuse, and so he calls me. Jack does. He says, "Are you going to be at the game tonight?" It was a Friday night game, so I said, "No." It was during football season, so I said, "No, I'm going to be, you know, doing a football game for TV." I said, "So, uh, you know," I said. He goes, "Oh," he says, "Well." He says, I was going to have a surprise for you when you got to the rink. And uh, I said, well, maybe I'll stop by after my game. I said, if I can get out early enough, I said, I'll stop over. Well, I did. So I go over to the rink, and it's in the third period. And I'm walking in through the, to the rink, and I had gotten Zeke to cover for me. And I'm getting ready to walk up the steps. And who do I hear yelling? I hear this big yell of, you know, move that puck, move that puck, move that. And screaming in that high-pitched voice that Jack has. Oh yeah. And I, I, I sit there and I'm, st I'm going up to, and I'm hearing it and I'm going, Oh my God, I know that voice. And sure enough, I look across and I see Bob over there with his cup of coffee and right over there next to him <laughs> is Jack. And I'm going, Jack, you're wearing the right sh wrong shade of blue. Well, I leave the, right. um, I leave the, uh, I leave the rink. I leave the rink and I run to the store and I get a box of Lucky Charms and I, I, I go back and I find the bus or the, their bus and the bus driver was still in there. So he opens up and I go, here, I'm leaving this uh, for the coach. He goes, well, he's sitting right there or his seat is right there. And I said, okay, thanks. Appreciate it. So I said, he'll know what it means. And so I left the box of cereal, the Lucky Charms cereal there and I go back and so I go back in there and I'm like, Jack, what are you doing? You know, he's like, eh, just thought I'd just uh, help Bob out and have a little fun. And again, it tells you the, 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 the thing that you can yell at each other, make each other really mad. But at the end of the day, when you're competing against each other, that's one thing. But you leave it on the ice and then you go back to when you guys are away from the ice, you can get along and be friends. Well, right. Bob and I always got along. Uh, we just did. And I still think the world of the guy. And uh, anyway. He walks, I get, I, I, I said, you know, you guys, good to see you guys, blah, blah, blah. Have a great road trip back, you know, be careful. And so I leave. I get a text back from Jack. And he says, did you leave a box of Lucky Charms for Bob? <laughs> I said, yes. I said, I can only imagine his response. He said, yeah, if you, if you were thinking along the lines of, you know, F you, then yeah, you were right. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, just typical. You know, and that's how we were back then, though, man, is that you competed like heck against each other, but you could still go out and have a pop afterwards and, and you know, laugh. Yeah. About stuff. We, we, did that a, we did that a lot with a lot of the coaches. I mean, everybody's in the same boat trying to, you know, the game's going on, you're, you're trying to win, but afterwards, it's like, hey, you know, hanging out. Having a couple sodas. So, who do you remember about Kevin Lou? Uh, good coach. Uh, you know, the blonde hair is really a lot. Yeah. Um, but he always had good teams. He was a good recruiter. Uh, you know, his teams are always hard nosed, tough to play against. Uh, good guy. I liked him. For some reason, I always think of, uh, I always think of Mike Flanagan when I think of Kevin Loon because they were kind of, uh, two 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 peas in a pod, you know, just that real tough. Yeah, flags. Yeah, flags was great. I mean, it's the same thing. You could you could you know have a conversation or go out to dinner with them after the game was over, you know, or if we were down there, he's like, hey, go here, you know, da 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 da. But he was 
he was good and was, you know good hard nosed kids and you know that's that's what you want is to play against well coached players. Yeah, no question about it. So okay, so um, who is the who is the team that you would get most fired up for? Who is the team that really got under your skin when you had to get ready to play them? There's a couple of them. Sometimes it had to do with what, what year it was. Uh, Metro in one year, Chris Wersting was there. And they had that Andrew Cote kept running our goaltender, and, you know, it was it was pretty personal back and forth. Like I remember screaming at Wersting, you know, I'm yelling, if you can't, you know, so I kind of lost my cool. I, I tried not to do it too much. You know, I, I, I prided myself in never being thrown out of a game. Um, you know, so I tried to try to stay within it, you know, try to a new one to back off. Um, so that Metro team, it was a lot of, a lot of rivalry there, but then the Columbus crush, man, uh, the parks, they played for air park, played for us as dad and buying a team there and they put it in there and they really wanted a rivalry. And, you know, we were playing in rink one at, at Tamworth Shanner and then a goalie named Gregory was a Canadian. He was a good goaltender too, but <clears throat> during warmups, he kept shooting pucks at our players. So we'd be skating around, you know, half ice, whatever. And he would, these pucks come randomly and like hit our guys in the shoulder and stuff. And I forget, I talked to one of them and I thought it was Danny Mays. Um, you know, I said, if he does that again, I said, I want you to shoot it back at him. And uh, so I, something happened and all of a sudden we have, we have a full brawl. <clears throat> Rank one at Tamworth telling you there's 15 guys fighting and the referee i'll never forget is Dieter keys i didn't care for him either he was still in the locker room so me and uh, uh other coach i thought it was kevin loon at the time but maybe not for for columbus yeah. uh, did, he, did he coach there i'm sorry who? you know uh did loon coach in columbus for a year oh I couldn't tell you. I don't remember. I couldn't tell you. I thought it was him. Well, anyways, we're both pulling players off each other and trying to get, you know, trying to get everybody back in. And, you know, Dieter Keys comes out and starts screaming, nah, 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 nah. And, we're, and both of us are like, dude, you're supposed to be out here. You know, so I don't remember. Uh, I think we each had two good – they had to suspend two guys, and I think they kind of let us pick who it was because back then there were, there were no cameras or anything going. Mm-hmm. And then we go down to Columbus one time and, you know, they're all hyped up and, you know, we're getting on the line and you take your helmets off right before the national anthem. And then they're supposed to announce both teams and they just announced their names and our guys are just kind of waiting there, you know, with our hands in the air, like what is going on? And then they just end up starting, you know, just playing. But I do remember we, we beat them by about six goals that game. <laughs> so that was always, that was good. Yeah. So. Oh man, I love this. Oh, I tell you what, Holmes. Um, I could do this forever, but I know. I, I before we wind her up, um, who would you say was probably the? Was were there any guys that, as far as from your coaching, that you aspired to uh, maybe be like or imp, like try to coach like them? Or any were there? Did you have any role role models of any sort when it came to your coaching? Coaching wise, no, because I really didn't know. I, I really didn't know. I, I told you before. I, you and I talked before. I had a PE teacher named Tom Ball that was just a 
great. I mean, he always made you feel good. Like when you talk to him, I always felt like he was listening. If I talked to him and, you know, we go through the class and I actually became a a PE teacher because of him, because, you know, he had such a great rapport with us, but I, I always remember him talking about how important communication and relationships are. And this was back in, you know, early eighties, you know, mm-hmm. maybe like, and, um, you know, so I just kind of did it off that like coaching wise, like I, I didn't really watch enough pro hockey to say, Hey, I want to be like this coach, but, you know, I think I kind of just have my own, and, and working with like, you know, Doc McCarthy growing up and actually I played for Greg Jablonski and he was really kind of a player's coach also. So I always thought, you know, maybe that's it. I need to be more of a player's coach than just a guy who's, you know, being a dictator out there, you know? Okay. That's fair enough. All right. Well, Hey, um, geez, it's been fun. You know, I, um, I, I enjoy it. Yeah. I enjoyed this a lot. I mean, like I said, I can do this all day. Um, but I always end my I always end my podcast with two things. First one is what would the Todd Omi of today? What advice would you give to that guy who took uh, who became an assistant coach in the second year of the Cherokees' history? Enjoy it more. Um... I think I did enjoy it, but I didn't really appreciate it, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. you just kind of thought that's how every day was going to be. And, and, you know, as I look back at it now, man, those were just some great times and some, some, you know, great opportunities I had. Just make sure you enjoy, enjoy the time and and actually take it in and look back and and just kind of see the good that you, I guess that would be it. Mm Well, okay. And then the other thing is, what would you what would you like to say to Cherokee Nation? I always end end it with that. In that, uh, telling you know whether you know it's your alumni, some of your players, even current players, uh, cur- uh, alumni coaches, fans, a lot of fan base. Uh, what would you like to say to them? Well, I guess the only thing is you know. Once a Cherokee, always a Cherokee. I mean, our fan base now is is unbelievable. You should talk to some. They love coming here because we 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 pack the house. I mean, we play a metro on a night. You know, there's there there might be eight nine hundred people in there, and it's packed. And we just had our main camp here, and we had you know a whole bunch of fans cheering and yelling in the stands. So, I mean, it's just it's just you know, once a Cherokee, always Cherokee. Enjoy it. Don't be afraid to reach point stop out and come watch a game oh, hey that's that. roll. roll try baby sappy strong well you know yep and uh i, I gotta tell you it, it's been a treat catching up with you again uh thanks for doing this you know it's no problem my pleasure always a blast well that's gonna and if i didn't mention you i did not forget you so. <laughs> <laughs> yes funny guy anyhow uh thanks to todd omi episode 100 is in the books hopefully we'll uh you know now that we've reached the century mark we can uh roll on with 100 more or well even beyond that hopefully but for todd omi the toledo cherokee legend whether he likes it or not i am mick (laughs) saying so long hey get over it you are See you next time right here on the Cherokee Rewind.